0: Anywho,
1: take it freezer's Freezer
0: reservations on Eventbrite, Back in public schools.
2: In a tri level dual world of stand up comedy, laughter has value and the unexpected laugh is priceless. Who is that live.com comedy? Local shows on sale now. Everyone that purchases a ticket will automatically be entered into a true drawing. Who wants to focus on the genre of stand up comedy and those that <laughs> go to whoisthatlive.com for upcoming shows.
3: Da-da Join us on a journey Wednesdays, into the absurd. Da-da
4: Wednesdays, da-da Wednesdays. Wednesdays, Radio
3: Havana, 1109
4: da-da Valencia, 22nd seconds in San Francisco
3: Wednesday. The
4: Walling Impro
2: 730 come to omg on savory 6th street for dgif thank gods it's funny every third friday at omg check us out free shows great drink specials hilarious comics every friday san francisco gouging ya. here we go free comedy with Mutiny radio you know you love us third fridays of every month omg 6th street Come on out with your friends. New Radio CGIF at OMG.
3: Are
5: you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern?
6: It makes
7: they
8: This is Labor and Love, and we're here at uh, 21st and Florida Street, in the heart of the mission, El Mero Mero, celebrating, as always, started out that, that set. The last one you heard was Guantanamera, of course the song of Cuban liberation played by Cuban musicians all over the world, playing for change. Recording, where they take a song and people from all over the world play it and it's all mixed together. There it was, Guantanamera. For that, we had a special one. We had Bob Dylan Bob Dylan highlighting a guitarist named Susan Tedeschi, and I I don't know if I'm pronouncing the name right, from a concert in 1999. And if you watch the video, you see uh, Dylan playing, and happy as almost never you see him. Totally amazed by this woman who plays the blues, Susan Tedeschi. Before that, we had Lavrio, place in Greece. A place where now uh, well-known as a place where a lot of uh, migrants, legal and illegal land in Greece. And that song, that beautiful song Lavrio, sung by Nana Moskuri, a great Greek singer a um, woman who always wore glasses when she sang, and, uh, her agent producer, whoever, told her to take the glasses off, you know, it's standing between you and the audience. But she took the glasses off and tried to sing, couldn't do it. Put the glasses back on and sang like she invented. it. Scooty, This is the bee, and I'm telling you, we had that wonderful lead-in. That's your chance to get all situated and sitting down and uh, ready to listen to our labor and love show. Labor and love, or we tell you how it is. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. You don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, where you work. You're on the menu. Other people are talking about your time, your life, making decisions that will affect you. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. It's only a waste of time. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. What have we got today, you might ask? Well, whether you do or you don't, well, I'll tell you. We got labor history in two, as usual. We got a look at a strike at Rutgers University in New Jersey. A state university. State based university, public university, also the place where the great Paul Robeson attended classes. We've got a story about striking Post Gazette workers in Pittsburgh. Can labor seize its movement? Moment? We'll have to see. A talk about how labor is getting stronger and stronger. Then we're focusing on Greece because tomorrow is Greek Easter. We take a look at Rambetica, another look at Rambetica, the blues of Greece and where this music came from, working class music from the slums. We've got Radio Labor coming up. An interesting website called Labor 411 that shows you how you can express your pro-union feelings with your pocketbook. What's this? Miley Cyrus and Dolly Parton sing a song? That's a band? In Milwaukee, Wisconsin? Have to run that down. A celebration of the great Dolores Huerta. We talked a lot last week and the last couple weeks about Cesar Chavez. But of course everybody knows who thinks about it for half a second that one person doesn't make a movement. One person, one star is not what it's about. There were hundreds of and thousands of men and women all over the world to whom one extent or another celebrated the, f- the beginning. The Habituation room. What's going on with Clarence Thomas? How can this guy get millions of dollars in services and real estate and every other thing from a millionaire and then claim that he didn't know he was supposed to tell about it. This is the United States Supreme Court now. This guy is being bought and sold by an un, unelected billionaire. And then we'll do Never on Sunday. You got to do Never on Sunday in the story of the... The... Uh, Composer of the, the smash worldwide hit Never on Sunday. There's Anos Hajidakis. Okay, so that's how we're set up here. else? If we can get that that much done, we'll be doing very well. Let's start out with our radio labor podcast about labor activity all over the Is a world. This
9: Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, April 14th, 2023. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, more demands for the release of Australian journalist Julian Assange. The 10th anniversary of the Rana Plaza disaster in Bangladesh. The Labor Start report about union events and singing.
10: For every stitch of clothing, someone sweats away unseen,
7: while the tangled
10: threads of justice unravel at the seams.
7: From
3: the slums of New York
10: City to the streets of Bangladesh,
9: hundred years of
10: struggle, it ain't over yet.
9: This is Radio Labor. The campaign to free the journalist Julian Assange has intensified as politicians across the political spectrum in Australia have called on the United States to stop its attempt to extradite him from the UK. Assange is an Australian citizen. He has been in London's Belmarsh Prison since 2019. The U.S. wants him because he was in charge of a whistleblower site called WikiLeaks when 250,000 classified cables from U.S. embassies were released to the media. The 48 Australian politicians who have asked the U.S. to stop its efforts to extradite Mr. Assange wrote that extraditing him would set a dangerous precedent for all global citizens, journalists, publishers, media organizations, and the freedom of the press. They point out that the person who actually did the leaking, Chelsea Manning, was pardoned by Barack Obama and is now free. Assange is not. I talked to Tim Dawson about the case when the extradition hearings in the UK started. Mr. Dawson is a former president of the National Union of Journalists in the UK. He is currently the chair of the expert group on the surveillance of journalists for the International Federation of Journalists. This interview was first broadcast in October 2021, but the arguments in support of Mr. Assange have not changed. I began my interview with Mr. Dawson by asking him why the extradition of Mr. Assange is an issue for
11: journalists. Because we have the effect of criminalizing journalism. Let me explain why that is. To understand this, you need to look at what's known as the second superseding indictment of Julian Assange. So this is where the United States sets out the terms on which it wishes to prosecute Mr. Assange. These are all in the U.S. Espionage Act of 1917, which is a very vague and and quite a notorious piece of legislation for persecuting progressives and working-class organisers and trade unionists. And within the terms of this act, it defines what it seeks to prosecute Assange for, which is effectively nurturing a contact who he hopes to obtain information from and helping that contact to locate information that he thinks might be of use and providing advice on how he might sidestep the security of the computer network from which he's going to take that information. Now, those actions are ones that thousands of investigative journalists will have performed many, many times. They are the actions of somebody locating and coaching a source, somebody who has recognized illegality or immorality within an organization that they're working for and helping them to provide that information for journalistic purposes. So in a way, whether you think Julian Assange is a journalist or an activist or or, or whatever, doesn't really matter because it's the actions that he took which are journalistic for which the U.S. is trying to prosecute him. And if they are successful, it will mean that anybody engaging in that kind of work with classified material would be at risk of prosecution by the U.S., which is a, frankly, terrifying prospect.
9: The International Federation of Journalists is the largest global union federation of journalists trades unions in the world. The IFJ represents more than 600,000 media workers from 187 organizations in 146 countries. Journalists at Radio Labour are members of the Canadian Media Guild and Unifor, which are affiliates of the IFJ. April 12th was the 10th anniversary of the Rana Plaza disaster in Bangladesh, which killed 1,200 mainly young women garment workers and injured 2,500. After the disaster, two global unions, Uni and Industrial, forced clothing brand corporations to join an international health and safety accord to protect garment workers in the country. Because of its success, the international accord has recently been extended to Pakistan. I talked to Alki Bosegar about the International Accord. Ms. Bosiger is the Deputy General Secretary of Uni Global Union. I asked her what the accord will do in Pakistan.
12: The International Accord in Pakistan is going to in based on the experience in Bangladesh. And of course, we're going to adapt the program to the circumstances of Pakistan. One thing that we're going to do different that is found from the Bangladesh experience is. The running right from the beginning with the local stakeholders. In Bangladesh, we reacted to an emergency situation, and or course, the, uh, the, the program in Bangladesh has been transformed into a tripartite organization over the past year. In Pakistan, we have been working with the government, with the MOOC industry, and other stakeholders who are in the past year to put together a program that includes them in terms of defining the parameters of this program. And at the end of last year, we agreed together with the brands that are favorite to the international accord expand the programming to Pakistan and we will continue to do factory inspections just like we did at Bangladesh. We're going to run a worker compliance mechanism where workers can complain about issues that they find in the factory. And a very important element are going to be training programs that we're going to run for both factory with and workers. So then they will have a voice on the job and the health and safety of workers is going to be in their own hands.
9: The accord in Pakistan is legally binding. How does this work?
12: The the international accord that brands and units are signing is the actual legally binding agreement. And based on that legally binding agreement between the two parties, we took a decision that we will extend the program. So the legally binding nature is in the international accord. It's not... Uh, specifically, only in Pakistan. And there's a agreement that has been signed between these parties where the brand, make certain commitment in terms of what obligations they have, what they're going to do to work with their factories to make them comply with the requirements of this program. And as unions, you know, it's our job to make sure that the brands are meeting those commitments.
9: Are there plans to extend the international accord to
12: other countries? We did a capability study for the number of countries and concluded after intensive uh, research that Pakistan was the country that merited the first expansion beyond Bangladesh. And that's based on a number of factors. First of all, the environment that we find in the textile and industry in the country. It's also the country that most of the brands were interested in, whether it's a big buying volume from, from brands in Pakistan. But also the fact that both government and local industry were showing a significant interest in having the uh, court come into Pakistan. Those were all important factors for our decision to first go to private But that doesn't I mean we're not going to expand to other countries. There will be discussions that will have to be had by the hearing committee. But for now, we're going to focus our work on private
9: I am surprised to hear you say that the government and the employers in Pakistan welcomed the accord. Is that because they saw that it helped the employers and government and workers in Bangladesh?
12: But there are number of factors. Definitely, I believe that the, the industry in Pakistan has seen how the industry in Bangladesh has been transformed, how the purchasing and body of from Bangladesh has gone up, and really, Bangladesh, I would really, you can see it, It's the number one destination now for brands. Can the seller also handle another issue coming up, which is the renewal of the trade benefits that they get with the European Commission? So that's another factor that the government definitely will be factoring in their discussions. But also in terms of an economic interest of the country, both the government and the industry, it just makes business sense because particularly European brands are under increasing pressure. The due diligence legislation requiring them to be a lot more responsible in the supply chain, And they know, as a country, if they want to be competitive, if they want brands to choose Pakistan and a destination, they will have to comply with requirements. And a very unique way to do that is the Accord.
9: Here with his report about union events is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder.
13: This week, our top stories section included links to coverage of the planned national wage strikes in Norway and Canada, calls from global union federations for an end to impunity for the murderers of trade unionists in East Watini, and the 12th national one-day walkout in France as pension protests there continue. We also carried stories detailing how and why Korean truckers have been so successful in their organizing efforts why sex workers in the Netherlands are resisting relocation, and multiple updates on the strike by UNO workers in Palestine. This week's Working Women news page carried news of the nurses' strikes in Mali, where the vast majority of workers in this occupation are women, her union's reaction to a sexual assault on a South African nurse, and a precedent-setting court win for victims of workplace sexual harassment in Ireland. Stories appearing on our health and safety page in Newswire this week included more threats against journalists for doing their jobs in countries as disparate as the Maldives, Argentina, the United States, the United Kingdom, Australia, South Africa, Nigeria, Indonesia, Mexico, Peru, and India. We also carried a health and safety analysis of the proposed changes to France's state pension system. No surprise... Raising the retirement age is bad for your health. Our current photo of the week is a shot of the 6 April pension protest march in Paris when more than 2 million workers and their allies struck for the 11th time so far this year. This is Derek Blackheader from Labour Start reporting for Radio Labour.
9: Now here are the low tide drifters with every stitch.
10: to flee to safety but the family- someone sweats away unseen
7: while the tangled
10: threads of justice unravel at the seams from the Along a global chain of greed and pain In from the public view For
3: every
14: Every
10: stitch of clothing Someone sweats away unseen While the tangled threads of justice Unravel at the seams From the slums of New York City To the streets of fame
9: And that's it. Labor news you can use.
3: Early every
6: year, the seeds are growing. Unseen, unheard, they lie beneath the ground. Would you know until their leaves are showing that with weeds all your garden will abound? If you close your eyes, stop your ears, hold your tongue, then how can you know? For seeds you cannot see may not be there. Seeds you cannot hear may never grow.
5: In, In January, you still got the choice. You can cut the wits before they're to bud If you leave them to grow high, they'll silence your voice And in December, you may pay with your blood So close your eyes, stop your ears, close your mouth, take it slow Let us in your a and sit take flight There's a danger born every morning In the darkness of your blindness, the beast will learn to bite. How can you fight if you can't recognize a warning? So close your eyes, stop your ears, close your mouth, take it slow. Let others take the lead and you bring up the rear. And later you can say you didn't know. Today you may earn a living wage. Tomorrow you may be on the dole. Though there's millions going hungry, you needn't disengage, for it's them, not you, that's fallen in the hole. So close your eyes, stop your ears, close your mouth, take it slow. Let it grip, let consent, didn't know. Today the soldiers took away one. Tomorrow they may take away two. One April they took away Greece. But surely they'll never tell you So close your eyes, stop your ears Close your mouth, take it slow Let others take the lead and you bring up the rear. And later you can say you didn't know It's all right for you if you run with the pack It's all right if you agree with all they do If fascism is slowly climbing back it's not here yet so what's it got to do with you so close your eyes stop your ears close your mouth take it slow let others take the lead and you bring up the rear and later you can say you didn't know the weeds are all around us and they're growing it will soon be too late for the night If you leave them on the wind that around the world is blowing, you may pay for your silence with your life. So close your eyes, stop your ears, close your mouth and never dare. And if it happens here, they'll never come for you, because they'll know you really didn't care.
8: You know, arrived at the airport, someone stuck a microphone in his face and asked him a question. And he said, and I quote, What am I supposed to say? Hi mom. Strange, strange, strange arrogance. We see it all the time when all of a sudden, you know, that blanket of respectability is pulled aside. Anyway, Um, then we had Peggy Seeger and her song of choice, how you can choose. A lot of us have that choice to ignore the fact that fascism is growing up around us like weeds and pretend that we didn't know about it. Right? People do that. Anyway, I want to get on now and talk about Labor 411. This is a website. In case you don't know about it. Labor 411 is a website where you can find out which companies are union and which are not. Let's say you're planning a party in this case at Easter, even though it's passed, union-made candy. Let's say you want to buy candy, but you want to be responsible about it. You want to make sure that the candy you buy is not feeding into the maw of some huge conglomerate that's ripping off its workers. So, candy, we've got Peeps, Cadbury chocolate, Jelly Bellies, Tootsie Pops, Mike and Ike's, one of my favorites, Giardelli and Hershey's Kisses, Altadena Eggs, Eco, and Clover Sonoma, matzo products for Passover, Beneshevitz is unionized. Meats, Empire Kosher. Wine and grape juice, C.K. Mandavi. That's a good one to remember, Mandavi. Chateau Sweet Michelle, Gallo, Gallo of Sonoma, Turning Leaf, Minute Maid Grape Juice, and Welch's Grape Juice. Is it union? Check here. Okay, so note that one down. Labor 411, making it easy. Making it easy to buy a union. See if we can get some other news. Sometimes they have um, news about... So it goes like this. Buy a union, be an ethic, ethical consumer. And this is the way that we can really access our power and exercise it. Companies watch these figures as they go up and down. You can build, help build a stronger America with every dollar you spend by purchasing quality union-made goods and services made by companies that provide their employees with fair wages, safe working conditions, and access to health care You are helping protect and grow America's middle class. Labor 411 is here to make your consumer buying decisions easy. We provide you with the most comprehensive of union-made goods anywhere. So whether you're planning a vacation, shopping for pet food, or buying groceries, Labor 411 will make your everyday buying decisions count. (coughs) The notorious Florida Florida GOP has unions in its sights once again. Orlando Weekly reports. Curtis Yero, a union organizer with the Communication Workers of America, grew up in poverty in South Miami-Dade County. His father was incarcerated for getting caught up in the drug trade. His mother was a sex worker. He grew up homelessness in communities of struggle. But he made it out of that life. How? Because I had a strong grandmother and because I found the union labor movement. And I'm not alone. He told the Florida House State Affairs Committee Tuesday afternoon. There's a response. Republican-sponsored bill, 1445, a Republican-sponsored bill targeting most of Florida's public sector unions. They did it in Wisconsin. They're trying to do it in Florida. bill ultimately passed by the committee with all six Democrats opposed, 14 Republicans in favor, and one absent Republican vote. Favorable vote occurred despite an hour of public testimony from union members and a couple non-union opponents of the bill in solidarity from across the state. Among other things, the bill would ban the automatic payroll deduction of union dues from union members' paychecks. In other words, the union would have to go around and collect dues from everyone. Government overreach, that work, as workers describe it, would require unions to maintain a membership of 60% in order to remain certified or risk decertification. Florida teachers are not in favor of the bill. Amazon. Study finds Amazon warehouses twice as dangerous as other warehouses. 2022 there were six point six serious injuries for every one hundred Amazon workers. That's more than double the rate of all non-Amazon warehouses, <coughs> which had three point two serious injuries for every 100 workers now why is that it's because of amazon's insistence on speed they get you your stuff the next day or two days after and for this convenience workers pay this is classic example of the person with two heads one head is the consumer one head is the worker as the workers gain the price goes up because the mid the middle people that's the people the boards and the owners who are taking their profits off what the workers are producing are hogging up that surplus Amazon previously attributed the jump in dangerous incidents to a warehouse hiring push during the pandemic. Amazon had 1.54 million employees globally at the end of the fourth quarter, down 4% from the year earlier. And finally, World bank workers who help fight poverty can't make own, own ends meet. Those who fight world poverty are finding themselves unable to make ends meet. World Bank. As leaders from around the world are in D.C. for the spring meeting of the Poverty Fighting Organization, the World Bank, Blount and his co-workers are trying to bring attention to what they see as a galling situation. Andre Blount has been serving food to dignitaries at World Bank headquarters for nearly 10 years. and He has gotten exactly one raise for 50 cents. Don't support Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. Shop union made instead with our easy-to-use directive. Okay, so I'm directing you to Labor four eight one four one one, And it's time to... Pay homage to our sponsor, right there on 20th and South Van Ness, here in the Mission, San Jalisco. Como México no hay dos, y como San Jalisco tampoco. For over 40 years, the Ibarra family has been serving up the very best in Mexican food to the people of San Francisco. What's your favorite? Enchiladas? Tacos? Chilaquiles? The ultimate in birria? How about your favorite American dishes? They got them. Find them all and more at San Jalisco, corner of 20th and South Van Ness in the very heart of the mission. Come on down to San Jalisco where the food tells you Mexico. Tell him you heard about it on labor and love from the bee.
4: The melody what good is music if it ain't possessing something sweet now it ain't the melody and it ain't the music there's something else that makes this tune complete yes it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing I don't not mean a thing, all you got to do is sing It makes no difference if it's sweet or hot Just give that rhythm everything you've got Yes, don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing <laughs> The thing if you ain't got that swing boy. I said don't mean a thing, and all you got to do is sing like la 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 da la pilota. makes no difference if it's sweet or hot. Just to give that rhythm. A swinger, take it, chummy.
8: We're back now, of course. Great Louis Armstrong with "Don't Mean a Thing." So let's switch over to this vicious campaign on the part of far-right Republicans. Take away women's control over their bodies. Talking about abortion, but their real goal is contraception. They want to take away everything from women. They want women out there pregnant and barefoot, doing the cooking and the washing, while the men go out and get all the glory and the self fulfillment. They want to cut out everything that to them is different. People who are different to them. Listen to this now. A Wisconsin teacher who said the school's district administration banned students performing the song Rainbow Land by Miley Cyrus and Dolly Parton has been placed on administrative leave. Melissa Temple, a first grade dual language teacher at Higher Elementary, confirmed she was on leave from the Waukesha School District in a text to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, part of the USA Today network. She deferred any further comment to the Alliance for Education, Waukesha. The Alliance is a group of mainly Waukesha parents who announced Monday on social media that they want Superintendent James Siebert to be investigated for discrimination of LGBTQ students and staff, accusing him of repeated discriminatory actions. Siebert later confirmed in a statement that Temple was on leave and wouldn't comment further. Siebert said in March the decision was to pull the song was based on whether it was appropriate for the age and maturity of the students and because of social or personal impacts on them. In other words, we don't want you to know What the world is, the real world, the everyday world where people go out and work and live and interact. Only certain kinds of people are okay. A wave of anti LGBTQ laws for schools in red states has Biden administration weighing a response. Temple said that she and her students were so sad, we just really feel bad because the kids were excited about it. She's been teaching for 20 years and is national board certified. It's just really confusing. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Rainbow Land lyrics and themes that encourage listeners to be proud of who they are. It's like the core of what we teach at school. You can be who you are. You can be proud of what you look like and how you learn. And that everybody, everyone has differences that we can all appreciate. No one's the same. You shouldn't be afraid to be yourself around others. Incredible. In Tennessee, remember the Tennessee Three? Lawmakers who were suspended from doing their work because they participated in an anti gun gun legislation rally were kicked out. You can be proud of who you of what you look like and how you what is wrong with that. What is subversive about that? What subversive is people who are uncomfortable with it and they've taken over power in all these red states. And they're coming for you, like Trump is fond of saying. They're coming for you and your kids. And their goal is Away with anything that is quote unquote different. Be proud of who you are? No. Don't be proud of who you are. Be, try to be like everybody else. Okay, well, we've got quite a few other things to do. Let's listen to bituation, talk about Clarence Thomas, or the Tennessee
15: Three. Uh, uh, Minority rule up close and personal in the state of Tennessee. As Republican-led legislature expelled two members, uh, that means remove them. Initially, I was like expelled just for the moment. No, 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 removed from their positions um, because they helped lead a protest for gun control after the Covenant School mass shooting, which killed six people, um, three nine-year-old children. And uh, that wasn't the crime. No, no, no. The crime was protesting that and arguing and protesting for gun control. Um, So they, uh, you know, Republican state legislature going to do what Republican state legislature will do. Um, and on separate votes last Thursday, the supermajority expelled Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, a move that left 140,000 voters in primarily black districts in Nashville and Memphis with no representation in the House. They were expelled for their re- in retaliation for their role in the protest the week before that unfolded in the aftermath of the school shooting. Of course, a third Democrat, <laughs> Rep- Representative Gloria Johnson of Knoxville, was spared expulsion by a, w- a one-vote margin. Johnson is white, spurring outcry at the differing outcomes for the two young black lawmakers. Republican lawmakers who split their votes have cited Johnson's points on the floor that her role in the protest was lesser. She didn't speak into the megaphone, for example. Ooh, I wonder what that (laughs) sounded like, and we'll hear that. Um, There are some updates on this story, but first let's see the kind of... maybe uh the kind of speaking that these representatives felt so afraid of um here is representative justin pearson um speaking to i believe this is before he was expelled i believe this is during the protest um but it's during the massive uh, capital protest if you guys saw that last week um and here he is, and I believe he's starting off, this was, we have a eclipse in a little bit, but he starts talking about how politicians are bought and sold by the NRA. And, um, yeah, take a look.
14: National Rifle Association and all of these gun lobbyists continue to be able to have control over our legislation. What's going through my mind right now is we need to fight for democracy in the state of Tennessee, and we need people not only just to vote, but people to show up and speak out so that we can end the gun violence that's happening in our state this is wrong this is unjust and this is not the way that it has to be there is a better way for us to live and we don't have to live this way but the republican party of the state of tennessee want to keep things the same if you want to fight to change it if you want to help to make this place a better place you have to use your voice you have to use your power and yes sometimes you've got to get expelled
15: so that is after he was expelled sometimes you've got to get expelled now um i mean if i were a republican uh I'd be afraid of that, too, because that is an incredibly powerful and, um, like, just galvanizing speaker. Like, that that representative, uh, he's going to start some shit, ended, he's going to lead people, and we can't have black leaders in this country. Um, Mike, your thoughts on all this?
16: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's... Multiple reasons why they were expelled, right? Um, one is obviously racism, because out of three lawmakers, the two black ones were expelled, but the white one wasn't. hmm, hmm trying to do the math here. Mm-hmm. Um, second of all, like, this was a real threat to their power. Thousands and thousands of Gen Z activists, they marched to the Capitol demanding action, and those three lawmakers stood in solidarity with the activists. Like, they have a supermajority, but they're not infallible. And right. so they saw this threat to their power, and they thought, how do we get rid of it? And that's what they did. Um, so, this just demonstrates that the GOP, they don't actually care about democracy. Like, they are literally calling this an insurrection. In fact, the Republican speaker said that this was tantamount to insurrection, what they did by basically. Going to the podium and saying, yeah, we agree we should have gun control effectively Um, so they know what they're doing is wrong and they're just they're shameless. There's actually a video that Justin Jones shared on Twitter Mm -hmm. where he was filming the chants from the activists and his Republican colleague actually assaulted him on camera and he, he posted it to Twitter. So they they are shameless, they're brazen, and they will make sure that they eliminate any threat to their power. But unfortunately for them, I think that this is going to backfire because they made these two men national figures. And now when they come back, which they will come back, I think that uh, Justin Jones was already reinstated, uh, they're going to be much more powerful than ever and have a bigger platform than they did. So unfortunately for the Republicans, they're in the – Finding out phase after fucking around, I think.
15: Absolutely. A couple things to pick up on there. Yes, uh, Justin Jones was reinstated. I want to go to a clip of him in a second. Um, That was, you know, uh, in in the city of Memphis, uh, they could have um, actually um, held like a month-long nomination period. This is according to NBC. But instead, uh, the city council in Nashville just completely um, voted unanimously to reinstate him immediately, which is good to know that that's... I mean, can you go back? Can you expel him again? The craziest part about this, and this is something that you mentioned, Mike, is, okay, so Tennessee legislature has expelled people before, I believe, um, for sexual misconduct and Mm -hmm. uh, defending slavery after the Civil War, so definitely on par with um, trying not to get shot uh, in a school. Um, But The Republicans expelled them based on the Capitol riots, the the calling it an insurrection and invoking January 6th. They invoked January 6th to say that this was a violation of their rules. I can't, I can't, like, oh my God, the hypocrisy. Like, just, it's like they learned the word insurrection, and now they're using it, oh, I know what'll justify it, like, you all, oh, the, the folks have no, they have no understanding of their own hypocrisy. It's like, it's, I, we feel, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. It, it truly is that moment. Um, anyway, that's why they expelled them, but Justin Jones been reinstated. Here's the Justin Jones before he, um, what, right before he was expelled. Again, uh, Jones who was assaulted when he was trying to film the protesters.
14: So today we are brought to hear where members are responding in the most extreme measure, not because of what we did, but because by breaking the quorum, we broke the glass of your false power for the world to see. We broke the glass of this chamber that someone called sacred. One of the members on the other side of the aisle was in tears and said, I've never seen such a breach of this sacred chamber. And I thought to myself, that representative has obviously never read history. But for so long, this body drunk with power has modeled for the world what we know as nothing less than authoritarianism. And today is the climax of that behavior. That a week after a mass shooting plagued our community, the most direct action this legislative body takes, or should I say my colleagues on the other side of the aisle are taking is to expel Us for speaking about the issues of weapons of war on our streets.
15: So again, another incredibly powerful speaker um, and leader, and calling him out basically on what we just said. Right? We broke, we shattered the ceiling, or we we shattered your false sense of power, um, because there's more of us uh and they should be scared so um there you have it and i and i again in terms of the national figures like this yeah this is not going anywhere and the fact that like every single one of those young folks that came out around talk about an apolitical issue talk about a like like, wanting to live not wanting to have weapons of war um in schools or in civilian hands uh There's always a moment, I think, for everyone who's like an activist or who who works around these issues or an organizer or someone who dedicates their life to this stuff, which is like, hey, how'd you get politicized? It's kind of like a, you know, it's it's an icebreaker uh, for us lefties. How'd you get politicized? And I think, uh, you know, in my feelings, when I saw what happened in Ferguson around the protests surrounding Mike, uh, Mike Brown's murder. When they sent fucking tanks. I was like, "Oh, you just you just galvanized a whole generation around like civil rights and against police. Same shit here. Oh, you expelled the two young black leaders from this pro uh, about over this protest for gun control. You just you gave these young people reason. They were fine, just chilling on like you know." I'm, like, trying to think, what's what's the what's the video game where you get turnips and stuff? They were over there on, like... Um,
16: Animal Crossing?
15: They were on Animal Crossing. I'm such a boomer. I'm such a boomer-like-send thing to say. Well, oh, I'm
16: such a nerd. I love how I know that immediately. Animal Crossing?
15: <laughs> no, I mean, turn- who else dabbles in turnips? But I'm, like, they were there on Animal Crossing. They're chilling. They're, like, you know, trying to bring back low-cut jeans, like, low-rise jeans. Like, the kids are doing other things, you know? Not sex, apparently, but, you know, they're vaping and stuff. <laughs> and, like... You just gave them a reason to fucking fight, you know. And yeah. and I think that uh, this will absolutely go down as a moment where we're gonna remember and reference um, for a long time. And I hope I hope it continues. And also, just like just shows you how fucking backwards a place like Tennessee can be. Like, don't you feel like even like for these southern states, you know? I I love in like, California. Like, at least we have like the optics of like hey, don't expel the two young black, you know, legislators because mm-hmm. it looks racist. Whereas, like, in the South, they don't even have those optics. Even if it's un- even if we, like, are, you know, power-hungry and legislators here, like, suck. Like, for the optics, they won't do it. And there, they're like, what? Did we do something wrong? What? Like, who? You know what I mean? Like, they were <laughs> acting up. They were, you know, they Jordan. were being...
16: Who's they living? were thinking about optics for sure, but it was like, well, hang on. We can't expel the white one because then people might think that we're <laughs> not racist. So that's, that's their discussion on optics.
15: Right, exactly. Well, the white lady didn't do nothing. You're like, that's totally true. You're just like, no, don't you see how this looks? Ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And this is, again, this, these are like – and then you remember like, uh, the you know, how that we've gutted the Voting Rights Act, you know, applied to Tennessee. And like this is the level – The fuckery that happens at the state level, everybody, like that's where it's all going down. That is this this kind of bullshit is where it's all going down around gun control, around abortion rights, around, you know, trans rights. All this stuff is happening at the state level.
16: Yeah, yeah, and, and let me just remind everyone that uh, a month prior, we were talking about Tennessee specifically because they were the state that uh, enacted a really harsh ban on drag performances, and their governor was uh, found to be in drag in high school. Their lieutenant governor was sexting with a young twink, so, like, they, they got all their priorities straight for sure in, in Tennessee and these red states. They're, they're focused on the real issues. I-
15: we covered this story so heartily, but um, I think I have, like, southern state blindness, where I sort of, like, meld them all together. They blend um, in, yeah. Which is, it's wrong on me, and if you are uh, here from the south, um, howdy, and I don't think that's a thing. But you know what I'm saying, I was like, ah, but you're right, you're right, um... But what is his name? He's got a great name. The Lieutenant Governor.
16: Randy like, something, right?
15: Randy McNally or something McNally.
16: like that. McNally, yeah, yeah. I
15: just, he, I, I just wanted to give him some encouragement because he had a nice body. <laughs> <Goodness>.
16: <laughs> it's such a great story because you have this like 99-year-old grandfather posting fire emojis to twink bussy pics and it's like, what is happening in this world? Like, what we need Jesus. <laughs>
15: Oh, honestly meanwhile like drag shows are being banned like come on just you can't ban horny first of all drag shows are yeah. necessarily horny they're just they're like uh, it's something people don't understand i think that's the other mm-hmm. thing like just watch some drag race just mm-hmm. go to a drag show no one's fucking. it's yeah It's that's not the like Learn about it a little bit. Maybe if we understood like queer history and like queer performance a little bit better You'd be less scared of it. No, I don't wanna. Okay.
16: That's the thought of learning is scary itself So, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a bit of a <laughs> it's a big Ooh, ask,
15: huge <laughs> ask um, <laughs> Yeah, anyway uh, I'm like sending so much love to everyone who went out in Tennessee and uh, very excited to see What happens with Pearson and Jones you know and I hope they continue to honestly stay in office and fight on that statewide level because clearly we need them and um I'm very excited to see what happens with Randy McNally to be totally honest with you like I'm I feel like he needs to live his truth I'm excited for that truth to come out what's going on Frantifa if you haven't already subscribe to the. This channel right now.
17: Yes, we can. Powerful words that helped propel President Barack Obama to the White House. But legendary organizer and activist Dolores Huerta, who coined the iconic phrase in Spanish, is known for much more than just that call to action. She's always been a champion for social justice, mobilizing farm workers with Cesar Chavez, advocating for the Hispanic and Latino community, fighting tirelessly for women's rights, and using her voice to make change. In 2012, she was awarded the nation's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And more than 60 years into her journey as an activist, Dolores Huerta is still speaking out. Hello and welcome to Comcast Newsmakers. I'm Tatiana Anderson. In 1962, Huerta and fellow civil rights icon Cesar Chavez co-founded what would later become United Farm Workers, organizing laborers who were paid as little as 70 cents an hour, often in brutal conditions. By 1975, it's estimated the union had convinced 17 million Americans to stop buying grapes. Huerta's rallying cry of Si Se Puede continues to motivate movements for social change and justice today. And joining me now is Dolores Huerta. Well, thank you for having me. What really made you decide that your call was activism and and not teaching, which is what you studied in college?
18: Well, I had the good fortune of learning how to organize from a great organizer named Fred Ross Sr., who taught Cesar Chavez, myself and many others, how to do grassroots organizing, how to get the ordinary people uh, to get involved, to get engaged, to become activists. And after I I had learned that magic power that people have, then I saw that many of the children in my classrooms were, uh, they had malnutrition, they did not have adequate clothing. And so I decided, you know, I'm just gonna quit teaching. I'm gonna just uh, do organizing and organize the parents so we can change these conditions.
17: So you talked about the issues that these farm workers were facing. What were they? Oh, they were
18: horrendous. I mean, and not only were they not paid very much money, as you mentioned, Uh, They didn't have uh, any type of uh, unemployment insurance uh, that all industrial workers have, uh, no overtime. But I think the most uh, terrible thing about the condition was that the employers did not respect their workers enough to give them a toilet, a porta potty in the fields. They were denigrated and insulted.
17: So, I know that you worked very closely with, with Cesar Chavez on this, a well-known American labor leader, civil rights activist. What was that working relationship like for you?
18: Well, it was uh, very fulfilling. Uh, we were able to accomplish a lot, uh, being able to get, again, these benefits that farm workers did not have, that other workers have, like unemployment insurance, that toilets in the fields, disability insurance, the right to organize into a union and to pass that legislation that really helped Uh, farm workers a lot. So working with Sasser was very fulfilling, as I said. Uh, But sometimes there were some tensions. I'll give you a good example. Uh, When we started the the grape boycott, Cesar thought we should boycott potatoes. And I said, no, Caesar. when people think of potatoes, they think of Idaho. They don't think of California. So I finally convinced him that we should uh, boycott the California table grapes instead of potatoes.
17: You convinced 17 million people to stop buying grapes. Um, it's an amazing feat. H- how did you do that?
18: We had farmers that went to Europe, farmers that went to New York and Chicago and Texas and everywhere, and uh, you know asking people just not to eat grapes and not to shop at the stores that carried grapes. And that was very, very successful. And so in a year and a half, we got 17 million people not to eat grapes
17: you know, women's erasure from history is often something that does happen. And I'm wondering if you ever think that you were perceived as sort of being in his shadow in, in some ways.
18: It was difficult for me. I think it is for many women to say, oh no, I did this and I, I want to get the credit for what I did and and, and I'm okay with taking the spotlight. It's, it it's, it's, it's a, been a path I think for myself and for many other women, but I think that is changing because we see the young women of today that they are out there, they're in front and they're taking the mic, and they're uh, using their voices as loud as they can.
17: You were arrested more than two dozen times, most recently in 2019. You were beaten by the police. How have those experiences really had a lasting impact on you and who you are?
18: I was very fortunate to grow up into a very integrated community in Stockton, California. And so many of my friends were African American, uh, Asian, and in some angles, and so we were pretty a uh, pretty integrated group growing up, but the, the police, it bothered them. They would always harass us and stop us, searches, us, et cetera.
17: So what happened with the police in, in 1988? I mean, describe the circumstances that surrounded uh, the police brutality, the beating that you faced. Well, I was the
18: unfortunate victim of a police beating in 1988. Uh, we were protesting the first Bush, Elder Bush, uh, who was running for the presidency at that time. He had a press conference in Fresno, uh, which is right in the center of the Central Valley of California, the agricultural community, to say there's nothing wrong with pesticides. The government takes care of pesticides. Well, we know that's not true. So he was going to be speaking in San Francisco at the St. Francis Hotel. Uh, we had a press conference saying, no, he is wrong, and explain to them uh, the, the harm the pesticides do. So we joined this uh, a huge rally. Uh, against him at that point in time. That's when the United States was very deeply involved in Central America. It was a peaceful rally. Uh, people had big signs, the uh, U.S. out of El Salvador, uh, uh, Bush Noriega, that's the ticket. And then the police moved in and started beating people up, and I was one of the victims of that beating. I had my ribs broken, my spleen was splattered. They couldn't even find it. It was a pulverized. And uh, I was disabled uh, for a few months.
17: So you've led um, such important changes in uh, earlier eras in this country, and we're in another massive era in, in, of change in this nation around everything from social justice to health equity to women's rights and and equity and more. What do you make of the changes um, that we've seen thus far? And, and what do you think about the rate at which it's happening? We
18: are in a very, very... Important and critical moment in the United States of America. Even speaking about police, we have this awakening that is going on, where people are being made aware of the, the how many many people of color have suffered under the policies that we now have in the United States uh, in terms of policing, in terms of education. You know, so many many areas, housing. We can go on and on, but now I think there is an awakening but we know this also has to be a reckoning. Some of these issues have got to be fixed.
17: I think it's safe to say that in many ways you are well ahead of your times um, on many issues. Um, When we're talking about intersectionality, when we're talking about LGBT rights, what do you think led to your passion for these values of of inclusion?
18: Well, all of these values are values of of justice and human rights. no human, be- no human being should be discriminated uh, because of their sex, because of their color, uh, because of their uh, sexual orientation. You know, but there is a th- third gender out there, and we've just got to stop uh, you know, educating people so that uh, people are not discriminated because of who they are. If someone is uh, LGBTQ, if they fall in love with or marry someone of their own sex, that doesn't affect your life at all.
17: Your phrase, si se puede, yes, we can, inspired a whole movement of change for farm workers, but it later helped to inspire the election of President Barack Obama, the first uh, black president of the United States. How did you feel when he adopted your phrase, and and what did he tell you?
18: Well, when I first met uh, President Obama, uh, he said to me, I stole your slogan, and, and I told him, yes, you did. I'm really glad that it was useful to help him get elected in his campaign. And, you know, we, he did so much good work while he was a president.
17: And I know that you're still working. Um, you're still at it. You turned 92 in 2022. Tell us a little bit about your foundation and, and what advice do you have for young people about how we can all get to the place where all of us can say, yes, we did.
18: In our foundation, we are doing so much work. We're Right now we're working a lot on education. We're working to stop the school to prison pipeline. And we're also working uh, against uh, COVID-19. We're doing vaccine clinics every weekend. We have canvases going door to door to sign people up uh, for, to get their vaccine shot. We're doing food banks also uh, to bring people food. And of course, we also have a youth program, a civic action program where we're registering voters and getting people out to vote and informing people about the different uh, propositions. Uh, here in California, to every young person out there, in fact, everybody out there, that we really have to get involved uh, in the elections. And we can do this by phone banking, by uh, going door to door, by telling other people, by getting other people to register to vote, because democracy does not work by itself. It takes us to make it happen. So yes, we can, si se whether every one of us, every one of us doing the work. Yes, we can.
17: Dolores Huerta, thank you for all that you've done, all that you continue to do, and thank you for being here with us.
18: No, you're welcome. Thank you very much.
8: Dolores Huerta there, discussing her work and part of her work that is still to be done. She turned 90 just recently. We've just got a few minutes left, and uh, I'm gonna play some Greek music. Tomorrow is Greek Easter. Ali um, A little bit about the composer of some well-known music, Greek music, Manos Hadjidakis. Ajidakis was born in Santi to a lawyer, and uh, he had piano lessons from an American Armenian pianist named Anna Lurian, well known. Moved to Athens, fought in the underground an active participation in the Greek resistance through membership in the Union Panhellenic Organization of Youth. Where he met Theodrakis, composer of Zorba the Greek. In the later years of his life, Hajidakis explained that his work was not meant to entertain, but to reveal. Further, he disclaimed part of his work written for the Greek cinema and theater as non-representative contract, undertaking of his. I began writing in the early 40s. His first work was a tune for the song Paper Moon from Tennessee Williams, a streetcar named Desire, which played in Athens. Hajidakis focused on the economy of expression, the deep traditional roots and the genuineness of emotion played in Rambetica, and exalted the likes of composers like Marcos Panikaris and others. So let's play one of his songs. It's, it's uh, Rambetica, The Blues of Greece. Rambetica is a kind of Greek music that started in Asia Minor more specifically in Smyrna and Constantinople. After the 1922 occupation and destruction of Smyrna, the refugees who sought shelter in central Greece, Greece had invaded Turkey at that time and taken over. cities, uh, Greek cities like Smyrna, in Asia Minor. Now this is the. These are the songs of the people in those Greek.
19: και φύκε, τα λεπτικά. Στα ντε μπουσού ντε καμπαρέν. Άλλα δε δικό μας ο καρέν. Άιτε, λα και μπα μετε Με O bufet que é angelo mendo fogo dar hele τε βοτανίκο, όπι γιονταϊκ και εντρεμέντρε καργάντε μαγκέν γιατί φτιάξαρε στο μινούτο τε δουλειέν αλλά λαφούμεντο και μπαθιέντο me te gomenete o buffet Ke angelo partimento Okay, that's
8: Rembetica. And uh, time for us to get out of here. The B. Remember, if one person gets a dollar, then someone else works a dollar they didn't get. Good week and good work. i
6: and a I'll and i get and i to and i get and i get and there's tell and I'll tell i get I don't know if I'm looking for a river, I o to Baby, Τα μ' αγαπώ Και σαν το βράδυ κινηθώ Ξέρω πώς Ξέρω πώς θα το δονηρευτώ Πετρά διαβάζω στο λαιμό Και μια χάν Και μια χάνδρα φυλαχτώ Γιατί τα βράδια καρτερώ Στο λιμάνι σ' αυγό Κάποιον άγνωστο να βρω Όσο για να ψάω Δεν βρίσκω άλλο λιμάνι Τρέλη να με έχει κάνει Όσα το πει ρεά Όταν βραδιάζει Τα ραγούδια μαραδιάζει Και ti πένιες του
20: But I'm not swinging through the senior facility, Best in Mysterio at Boggle, or getting beautifully plowed by the Rhino. I'm headed down to Mutiny Radio at the corner of Twenty First and Florida. They got some Shmiles doing the laugh laugh. But hey, don't be a schmuck and donate two to five dollars. On hold, hold on, what is this? Let me get my glasses. The print's too small. Ben Mo?
0: Show up to go out for comics, and please reserve your free tickets on Eventbrite so we know you're coming to laugh.
5: There is- <laughs> happy, happy hour the, is when the comedy is the cheapest.
2: Happy hour, the most free two hours of hour-long comedy on the radio and internet streaming.
7: Calling all crusty's punks, and poses! Pick your posteriors up off the pavement, pack up your pins and patches, and prepare to party! The Pacific Northwest Vest Fest returns this Saturday only at the SeaTac Expo Center.
1: Even in the twizzle, but not too much. Hey Daddy, remember after soccer practice when it was raining and you didn't come?
0: I really don't. Anywho.
1: He take it with the Frasers Reservations
0: Reservations on Eventbrite. Fucking in public schools.
2: In a tri-level dual world of stand-up comedy, laughter has value and the unexpected laugh is priceless who is comedy local shows on sale now everyone that purchases a ticket will automatically be entered into a true drawing who wants to focus on the genre of stand-up comedy and those that <laughs> go to whoisthatlive.com that live.com for upcoming shows
5: join us on a Da-da, journey Wednesdays.
3: into the absurd Da-da,
4: Radio Havana, 1109 Valencia, at 22nd in San Francisco, The Warrior, Improv, and Music.